Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Oh, it's been a hot summer, especially out west and parts of the Midwest. We had a lot of rain, finally. Maybe too much rain, but we were kind of behind here in the Chicago area and parts of the Midwest. But we've also had our heat waves as well. We're in the middle of the dog days of summer. And I have a suggestion for you. Many times people in the church believe that, well, it's vacation, we're on vacation, so we can miss church. We can kind of let a lot of things slide from our spirituality and our participation in the liturgical life of the church. However, church is actually one of the things that you should build into your vacation plans, your summer. In fact, it can actually be very exciting, very interesting. Instead of pulling out a tour book for vacation areas, which is okay, how about pulling out the tour book of the liturgical life of the church? That's right. This may sound kind of strange, but you can actually have a beautiful summer season by basing your vacation on the liturgical life of the church. In fact, the church can give us a whole lot of guidelines for the summer overall. For example, let's start with styles. Now, I know it's time, especially for the ladies, for the hemlines to go up, necklines to plunge, as well as other kinds of styles that are, they might find them comfortable or summery, and that's okay to an extent, but they're also a very immodest at times and also rather provocative. A lot of ladies don't understand this. This is one of the most impenetrable issues there is. But I think because the ladies, first of all, are very influenced by trends and styles and being accepted and wanting to be seen as being trendy and kind of on the edge and on the ball, not weird or prudish or old-fashioned. And they sometimes mistake this for what is actually something that's rather provocative, rather secular. And they mistake it also for the idea that the church or the priest or mom and dad are being kind of, well, like prudish. And the young ladies get the idea that the church and their parents and other kind of fuddy-duddies think that the female body is somehow bad or shameful, needs to be covered up, and that men have no obligation whatsoever not to lust. 
The idea of modest dress, is, yes, even during the summertime, is an issue that's largely for the women. Not entirely, but largely for the women. Let's face it, let's be honest. It's also for men and women in the sense that appropriate dress at church, not just being comfortable, but appropriate dress. Remember, our dress and also our bodies, the theology of our bodies, the language of our bodies, says something about ourselves and our belief and about God. And the primary goal is not just to be comfortable. Oh, it's hot, so we're going to be casual at church. I know this is a very common trend, and we can loosen up a little bit during summer, but let's be honest again. We come from air-conditioned homes into air-conditioned cars, into air-conditioned churches, and from there we go to air-conditioned restaurants, or we go to the beach where we enjoy the summer and the sun. So what is the point of insisting on having clothes that are so cool and comfortable when we already have made our environment cool and comfortable in every way? from door to door, from my bedroom to the door of the church, and everywhere else. I won't say we can't loosen up a little bit. I don't mean loose dress. I mean, loosen up in terms of, yeah, there is some consideration for the heat and humidity, but not to the point where we let everything go, where all things are okay, especially when it comes to the dress of girls and women. And the liturgy is actually the best way, I think, as always, to teach everything, but certainly to teach the ladies about this principle of modesty. If you look at the liturgy, especially the Byzantine liturgy, the Eastern Rites, we do a lot of covering up, rather, in a sense, kind of flouncy at times. The vestments of the priests are very long, they cover our hands, they come way to the ground. Some bishops even have almost what amounts to trains on some of their garments that drag behind them. That's right. There's a lot of covering, a lot of sort of flounciness in the Eastern churches. And that's because it's communicating a couple of things. A sense of royalty. In any time we have a lot of dress, especially dress that is very beautiful, a very, what we might call fancy. We don't do it to be opulent in Eastern churches. We do that because we're reflecting the kingdom of God. We're giving God our finest. We're presenting ourselves in the finest way with the finest material, the most beautiful material, material that has imagery on it that talks about our faith and reveals our faith and becomes, in a sense, a form of prayer or iconography in itself. There's even icons sometimes on some of the vestments that bishops and priests wear. And so what we're doing is, by the flounciness, is we're actually trying to glorify God and give an image of the church as the kingdom, kingdom as in royalty, crowns, and things, kingdom of God on earth. This is okay. This is not for our own entertainment or our own pride and selfishness. We're offering our finest back to God. And so what happens is we cover up in the church liturgically that which is special. Think of the chalice. The chalice, especially in Eastern churches, has specific covers on it. The Latin rite does too, but it's especially notable in the Eastern rites. The Eastern churches have a covering over the chalice, the discos, and a larger veil that goes over both of them. And that veil gets incensed. The chalice and discos are covered during many parts of the liturgy and in procession. But here's the neat thing. Here's the thing, that whole living in the both and that's important. That which is covered or veiled, we use veils in the church, that which is covered or veiled is uncovered, revealed, but at certain times, for certain eyes, for the holiest of purposes. See, that's the catch. Now, I invite the ladies, and especially the parents of ladies, to look at that in the liturgy. And ladies, compare your own bodies to the things in the liturgy. 
As we cover up things in liturgy, not because they're shameful or or prudish, but because they're special, as we do that in the liturgy, so too should we do it in our bodies. So ladies, you do need to cover your bodies in the same way. I'm not talking about head to toe wearing burqas. We're not talking about that at all. We're not talking about concealing your femininity because you are something is wrong or you're just simply a walking, talking piece of temptation to men. We're not talking about that at all. That's a Manichaean heresy. That's not Catholic. Catholic sees everything in light of the sacramental, the incarnation. So yes, Catholic knows that God made women to be attractive, to be beautiful, and they are by nature. But like everything else that's beautiful, true, and good, it needs to be cared for and needs to be covered so that it is always looked at in a way that is commensurate with its dignity and its honor. So ladies, you cover your body, and again, I'm not saying head to toe, you cover it with certain moderate modesty, even during the summertime, because your body is special. And it can be uncovered, of course, but only at certain times for certain eyes and certain occasions, meaning for your husband, who has promised himself in marriage. But other than that, we don't present our bodies. We don't wear things that present our bodies, accentuate them, because that would not be in accord with the dignity of the body. And yes, men have a job to do, a right and duty to try to look always with chastity and charity upon women, although they're hardwired to be moved by women's beauty. At the same time, ladies, you have to help the man do that. Why make it harder for him? Because that backfires on you. Then you don't get the proper respect that you deserve. And it's really all about you. It's a reciprocal thing. You help the man see you in the glory of femininity, not in an immodesty or a showy way. You help him do that so that he, in fact, can better look at you through the eyes that give the dignity that you deserve. So again, we get a lesson from the liturgy for vacation, for summertime, a little guide on how to dress and how not to dress. Even at the beach, bikinis versus one-piece bathing suits. Well, the problem with bikinis and things like that, or thong suits, is that they attract the eye and trap the eye in certain regions and therefore accentuate certain aspects of the body, the sexual parts. That's the problem with those things. That's why more like a one-piece bathing suit is more modest. Actually, I know it's going to sound kind of radical, but if you think about it and think of the Sistine Chapel, think of great Catholic art, the body in its full nudity is actually more modest than a body with provocative dress. Now, I'm not advocating everybody go to the beach and get nude. I'm talking about what makes something immodest. What makes something immodest is not the body itself. As St. John Paul II remind us, it's not the body itself. It is how it's presented and how it's seen. And what presents the body? Clothing and how it's designed, how it traps the eye, leads the eye, what it is emphasizing. That's the difference. So ladies and gentlemen, everyone has a responsibility, even though it's hot weather. It's not just a matter of, well, I want to be comfortable. Okay, that's all right, but it's not the primary virtue. The primary virtue is charity, which comes through a sense of mutual chastity. In other words, man and woman are both respecting each other. They're respecting each other's call to chastity and respecting each other's inherent weakness in those things because of original sin. Ladies, men do not want to lust. They don't really want to. They may be tempted to and give in to that, but they don't really want to. Most good men do not even want that struggle, but they're thrown into that struggle by virtue of certain styles, especially during the summertime. 
So it's a matter, ladies, of not just, well, it's what I feel, what I want to wear, no one can tell me what to do. It's more to it than that. We can't be selfish and self-centered and cavalier about it. Remember, it's not so much about modesty. It is that. It's about charity. Being considerate to the person that you are, to the dignity of your own body as a woman, and also charitable to the man. Helping him be towards you like you deserve, like he really wants to, like God wants him to. We're going to talk about some other ways in which you can guide your summer vacation, your summertime. Now we're in the very heat of it, literally. We're in the dog days of summer. You can guide the rest of your summer by using the liturgy of the church. Our first point was in styles of dress. Yes, even during the hot dog days of summer. Morality doesn't stop because the temperature is a little warmer outside. When we come back, we'll talk more about how the liturgy can be your guide to a great summer vacation. I'm Papa Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. This is Bold Talk with Father Thomas Lloyd. The topic of modesty and its epic battles between mom and daughter will once again rise along with the temperatures and crocuses of springtime. It's his responsibility to control himself. As a woman, I will wear whatever I want to wear. Is hardly sensitive, tolerant, enlightened, mutually respectful, or Catholic. St. John Paul II reminded us, the human body is never in itself an occasion for lust. Modesty and purity of heart are based on how the glories of the human body are presented and how they are received. Since God hardwired men to be more visually responsive, especially to womanhood, modesty is simply about asking women to assist men in their duty to perceive and relate to women according to God's design. Modesty in no way shifts the responsibility entirely onto the woman. It is not an objectification, subjugation, or sexualization of women, nor is it gender discrimination or prudishness. Modesty reveals a woman's self-possession, her intelligent awareness of the inherent dignity of her femininity, but also her mature understanding of the fallen side of both masculinity and femininity. I doubt if any young lady would wear leggings instead of a formal gown at her wedding. She knows that it really does matter how she presents her feminine body and through that, her person. This is Bishop Christopher Coyne for OLPH Radio in Burlington, Vermont, and you're listening to Light of the East. Saving Jews from the Holocaust in a wheelchair. And now, a Sheptitsky Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. Archbishop Andrei Sheptitsky was born in 1865 in western Ukraine. He was an aristocrat who gave up his wealth to become a monk. He then led the Greco-Catholic Church in Ukraine through two world wars. Exiled to Russia for three years during World War I, Sheptitsky never again enjoyed good health. From 1929 until his death in 1944, he worked from a wheelchair. From that wheelchair, Sheptitsky coordinated efforts to save hundreds of Jews during the Holocaust. Next time, we'll tell you more about the Archbishop, who at the height of the Holocaust wrote, A lack of love is the source of every hardship and misery. Love is the very substance of all of God's revelation. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit sheptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute.ca. 
Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. My program today may sound a little bit different, but not really, because what I try to do in this program, Light of the East, is I try to make real and relevant the riches of the church, East and West, in particular, of course, the Eastern churches, because that's what I am. I am an Eastern Catholic priest, and the world and the church needs to know more about the riches of the Eastern church. But we always present this in complement to the riches of the Western church. Both, of course, have equal dignity, both ancient expressions of the one same faith. It's just that the Eastern churches are less known because they're smaller. We have a tendency not to put ourselves out there as well as the Latin Rite Church does, the Western Lung of the Church. The Western Lung of the Church has a great flair, a great reservoir, and a great genius for getting themselves and getting the word out there. The Western Church is an outstanding source of evangelization. The Eastern churches evangelize too, but in a different way. So they need to learn a little bit from our Western brethren and kind of get out there a bit, a bit more actually, which is why I'm on this radio program. So the Eastern churches have a relevancy, even for something like summer vacation. We already talked about the principles of, well, guiding ourselves in modesty that come from the liturgy. Handy principle and review. We cover things in the liturgy because they are special, but we do uncover them at certain times for certain eyes and for certain purposes, lofty purposes. Same thing with our bodies. Think of it that way, ladies. Now, another thing that you can do to enhance your summer vacation via the liturgy of the church is design your vacation around church activities. For example, why not do something like visit a couple of Marian shrines across the country that are in the Eastern Rites. There are two in particular. One is the Sisters of St. Basil in Mount St. Macrina. This is in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Beautiful, beautiful place in the southwestern part of Pennsylvania near the Virginia border, the Laurel Highlands. They have a magnificent place there, a beautiful place in which they host on Labor Day weekend a wonderful pilgrimage. It's an outdoor pilgrimage. Some things are inside. Most of it's outdoor, and they're beautiful, sprawling grounds. It's like going into a park or a forest preserve. And they have liturgies there and processions and blessing of the sick, anointing of the sick. All the bishops and priests are there. We all gather as a church from across the nation at Mount St. Macrina on the Labor Day weekend. That's the latter part of summer, of course, but it's still within summer. And another place you can go and consider is the Shrine of Our Lady of Maria Poch in Burton, Ohio. This is in the eastern part of Ohio. It's about uh, maybe 45 minutes from the border of Pennsylvania, the Cleveland area and the Pittsburgh area, roughly speaking. It's in the beautiful Amish country, again, a rural area, and it's beautiful grounds. The Sisters of Christ the Bridegroom Monastery are there, and they will certainly host you with their usual warmth. And we have this shrine open from May to October for people to come. Different parishes will schedule their own dates to come and have services out of that shrine. Making that pilgrimage and honor of the Blessed Mother is something that is fun and interesting. You could picnic out there. Like I said, it's in the country. You'll meet a lot of people. You have beautiful liturgy outside. They have an outdoor shrine. In fact, they just put a new icon screen in there, which they borrowed from one of our churches that closed. So that's a very wonderful thing, making use of this icon screen from a previous church that closed. And that is new. Other things are new out there. And on August 15th, on that weekend, around that time, we have the annual pilgrimage of our whole eparchy because that is the feast of the Dormition of the Mother of God. Great, great Marian feast. So a lot of people come out for that. So just those two things alone, 
One is in Pennsylvania, the western part. The other one is Ohio in the eastern part. So they're not all that far apart. And you can stop along the way, see different churches, other kinds of sites like that, other kind of vacation resorts. There's water parks and amusement parks. Why not make a family vacation in which church, things like pilgrimages or shrines, are actually a part of it? I'll let you know something that might be helpful. You might think this is all kind of boring and outrageous. Certainly, I imagine your children would be. But actually, it could be very exciting. What I do is whenever I go on so-called vacation, which I rarely do, I basically do design them around these religious sites. I really enjoy visiting even sites I've never been to before, being on vacation somewhere and attending a, a liturgy or a mass at a church I've never been to before, listening to a homily. I'm always giving homilies. I like to listen to homilies too. I need them as well. I like to see different churches, meet different people, see what it's like in different locales different geographical areas of our country. It's really fascinating for me. Whenever you're on vacation, you build church into that vacation. You'd be amazed at what that does. It puts a whole other tone and a peace to it, fun to it. Even out west, visit the missions, the old missions. Many of them in certain western states of the country are basically churches on Indian reservations. And the Indian reservations have named these missions after certain saints, and they have actually celebrations on the feast days of those saints, but they combine their Native American customs, only it's now dedicated to the saint, which is classic Catholic church evangelization, taking what a culture held as good or sacred, their culture, their dance, music, and so on. But now it becomes part of the Christian expression, now that these people, many of them on the Indian reservations, are Christianized. Now, the whole subject of Indian reservations is another subject in itself. We're not talking about the reservations themselves. We're simply saying that some of these missions are on these reservations, and they're really worth visiting. You go out to California, visit the old missions there, ones that Father Junipero Serra founded. You know, he walked many, many miles. He walked all the way to Mexico with a bad leg from California just to ask permission and rattle the change of the government there to help stop their soldiers who were posted in the California from being mean to the Native Americans. That's right. That's what he did for them. In fact, he insisted that the headquarters, the fortress, where the, the presidio they call that, where the soldiers stayed, was away from the missions. So the soldiers would not be tempted to abuse the Native Americans. They didn't all do that, but some of them did. So there's great history there in these missions, and it's fascinating to see how they were built, how old they are, what went on there. And you can also do other things in those same areas of California, you know, in the Southwest. Lots of beautiful things to see. So if we look at the liturgy of the church and take church into our consideration, you could actually design a wonderful churchy summer vacation, which would be uplifting, formative, and actually a lot of fun, a lot of discovery, I guarantee you. Thanks for listening and stay cool in these hot days and consider planning the rest of your vacation through the tour guide, the tour map of the Liturgy of the Church. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media.
Radio gives us an opportunity to become part of a larger family. It can be so lonely when we are struggling in our faith or just trying to live our faith on our own. But Catholic Radio connects us to that larger community of faith where we're able to get the support, the encouragement, and the grace that we need to not just struggle on, but to really celebrate all the blessings that God brings into our life through our Catholic faith. Dr. Greg Popchak thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.